to build a great founding team? This is the question that everybody wants to find out, apparently, that we've decided to do a part two. Thank you to everyone who sent their follow-up questions to us. And we thought, let's jump into some more details based on what we started in episode 31. Welcome to the Mary, the welcome to the Mary Poppins of Startups live show. I'm Naili Makango from Athena Leaders, an organization that is passionate about helping you dream, build, play whilst leaving behind the legacy of a happy and productive workplace playground. We do a lot of work with startups. And in today's show, we are bringing to you all our wisdom, knowledge, and answering a lot of questions that we've had from our own Startup Advisory sessions, as well as people who reached out after watching episode 31, the one that we had last week. For those who are new to the show, a quick reminder. First one, this is not a monologue. And as you can see, we are responding to questions live. So if you have any questions, find us on social media. Don't worry about whether you've missed the boat. We'll find another one for you to get on. Rule number two, if you know anyone who, whether they're running a startup or part of the startup ecosystem and would like to share the wisdom to help all the founders and the startup teams out there, ask them to speak to the Mary Poppins of startups. Number three, the most important one, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So in episode number 31, we started the discussion of how to build a great team, a great startup team, and also talked a little bit about finding co-founders. We looked at the solo founder versus co-founder. What does it mean and what we need to bear in mind? How do you hire your first founding team? We looked at what, what to watch out in terms of equity and other important information. We talked about culture, the right people, the right fits. And we talked about all of the goodness that you need to think about, you know, even the personality types, when you're bringing new people in the company to make sure that they stay with you and go on the journey and they don't jump off the boat early on. Today, thanks to your request, we wanted to go down and start tackling other questions that a lot of people have been asking so that we can continue giving you more information and continue the conversation that we started last week. The first thing we're going to look at today is how and where can you find co-founders for your founding team? So that was a really good question. How do you find them? Where do you find them? Where do you go to look for them? The first thing, just as I've mentioned last week, it's all about being very clear about who you want. So start by drawing a shopping list of the skill sets of what you need for your company. Of course, if you do your homework and watch episode 31 before um, watching this one or listen to episode 31 before listening to this one, then you will understand other parts, to, other things to add on your shopping list in terms of personality, in terms of roles and things like that. So I'm not going to repeat that. Make sure that you are clear on the profile of who you want in your company, especially when it comes to what they will be doing when they land. Once you have that, you can go and start hunting. First place to look at your network. It's cliche to say that your network is your net worth, but in this particular case, it's very true, especially when you are at the early stage of your business and you need to bring people in. The more people you know and the more you can tap on your network, the better it will be. 
I would say to reach out not just to your investors or to your board of advisors, other people within your team, but think about your friends. Think about the people who have seen your journey and see you develop in your journey. Think about the people that you've known from previous jobs and others. They might not want to work for you, nothing personal to you, but they might want, they might know someone who knows someone, right? So it's important that they are clear on who you're looking for so that you can keep their eyes open out there and look for opportunities for you. Many of the people that you will come and start really early on in your startup will either be friends or come from your network. So please make sure to use your network. And plus, if they know you, they probably already know your personality, your style, and they will just, just go and find someone else that they know who have an entrepreneurial spirit. The other advice I'll say for you today is um, attend networking events. Especially if you're working in startup hubs, there are many networking events out there that will help you to find the people that you need. They are geared around startups. It could be something as simple as event or talks about startups failures or startup successes or journey of a founder. Those kind of talks will attract people with the right mindsets. There might be people still in full-time employment but looking to either join a startup or even looking for co-founders. So just go out there, start mingling and start growing your network. If you are looking for, if you are especially in a small town or a town that has a hub, I will say to look at meetup.com. It's a really good website. And in fact, one of the things I've seen happening a lot, not just on Meetup, but when I looked at even Eventbrite actually has a lot of uh, events about startups. The, this, this new event that's coming up is about um, speed dating for co-founders or speed dating for startup teams. That's a very interesting an interesting kind of play on words there. You're not going to find your romantic partner, but I can assure you that you might actually find one or two people with whom you will be able to create beautiful products. It might take you more than nine months to do so. So in addition to physical places in terms of networking, think a bit about online networking, which is becoming a thing. Some of the platforms out there that I've looked at and I've used and recommended are Co-Founder Labs, there's Catalyst, which is a new player on the block, but it's really good, especially if you are a future founder, as they give you a lot more helps, not just from finding founders, a member of the team, but also on how to grow your product and your proposition and linking you with other people. So I would highly recommend that you check out um, Catalyst as well. The other area that you want to look at in your town Check out if you have any kind of incubators and accelerators, right? And again, those kind of organizations will, will have pitch events where they will ask for a lot of startups to come in, submit their ideas, and then there will be a pitch. Do remember that people who attend those events might not necessarily want to become founders themselves, but they are people who might be interested in joining your team or joining a startups. So the more of them you know, the more chances you have of recruiting people and not just that those recruiting people at the events, but also you are tapping to, uh, um, to their network as well. Now, what is it really interesting here when we start looking at team member um, and growing your team? One of the questions that was asked was, when should I think about hiring my team members if I don't think I'm at that stage just yet? Well, I will say when it comes to networking, then start early, right? The earliest you can start, the better. Even if you have a seed of wanting to join a startup 
or you are a founder, you have a seed of an idea, go out and start networking. It takes time to build quality relationships, for people to know you, for people to keep you in the back of your mind when someone they might know might ask for another startup that could work, that would work for. So the earlier you start, the better. So now this is just some ideas and the best places where you can go if you are looking for co-founders and, and team members. Another thing I'll mention, think about the fact that the world has gone global with the pandemic. There are many events, especially when you look at Eventbrite. If you are in a town and you're saying, but my town is not a startup hub, I can't find a lot of physical events, just attend virtually uh, a startup event that's been organized in bigger towns, let's say London, organized in Cambridge. Cambridge is amazing. It's a great startup hubs every other night. There's the startup events. So you don't want to miss out. Just attend online if you can't attend virtually. Just to finish off on this idea of finding the team members, of course, you know, people will be asking me, what about LinkedIn? What about traditional way of putting adverts online? Yes, you can do that. They work as well. But it's, again, a competition with a lot of people that are also applying for those roles. And you also need to bear in mind that if you are going to invest and pay money for a job board, is this job board targeting to the right people, people who have the mindset and understand expectations that working at the startups in terms of the fast pace, they might not have the um, handholding that they might, some people like to have that, or some people like to have all the team collocated, which is might not be possible for a startup. So there are some jobs board out there that specializes and targets people who want to work for startups. So if you wanted to go down the traditional road of advertising and finding team members, I would say go to one of those. It's a lot better than just going for the monsters.com and the, this, this kind of normal um, platforms. Now, so on in terms of the networking, I will share with you a key three tips. I think if there is one thing you want to take in terms of networking, this is it. You can go out there and meet a lot of people, especially if you do network a lot. And sometimes we forget we are human. So how do we make the most of our networking session? First, craft an elevator pitch, not just what you will share with an investor, but it's something that you want to share with anybody that wants to join your company. And how would you do that? Well, can you summarize the proposition of your business in a few words? especially if you're talking about complex technology or concept that people are not aware of. For example, if you're doing something about renewable energy for people to understand where the energy comes from, is there a way you can tell that story without going too much into jargons where you might lose someone on, on, on the way? What is the problem that you are trying to solve and how can you summarize this and give it to someone as a flavor, as a passion at the beginning of a conversation so that you can attract them? What are you looking for? That is also very important. Remember that you are pitching to someone who might be pitching to someone else. How can you summarize that? The most important thing, people want to work with you, the founder, right? So what is your USP, your unique selling point? Why should they, should they work for you? Why should they be as excited about this idea as you are? So if you can somehow fit all of that in less than a couple of minutes, that would be great. So that when you go to events, of course, I'm not asking you to say, hi, my name is, and go through all of that. But those are things that you can start even in 30 seconds bite. You can answer those key questions early on in the conversation 
to leave a really good impression, especially if you are in a speed uh, networking event or if you are um, even one-to-one -one networking and you want to leave a really good impression. The second one, use a CRM. You can use something as simple as Insightly or HubSpot. I started networking and using Insightly. Why? You meet a lot of people. At first, I used to take business cards. All well and good. But then you forget details about people. You might have a name, but the business card doesn't have a picture. Yes, I can go on LinkedIn and see the picture afterwards. Great. It takes time. What I like about the CRM is that when I go home and I meet people, and especially the people I want to keep in touch with, I put them in my CRM, put a note on when I met them, what is it about them that I really like, what is it that they're doing, and how can we work and support each other. Then I will put a reminder in X amount of time, I will go back and speak to that person, continue to nurture the conversation. This, is, this brings us to point number three, engage and follow up. I've engaged during the session. I had the courage to approach them, to approach the group, start a conversation, understanding the needs, the mutual need that we have, whether we could be working together, whether they could want to join, they might want to join my startup in the future. Well, if they're not ready, it's fine. I put something in my note, in my CRM, and I follow up. Keep, let them know what's happening in my staff. Point in their life, they're ready to jump and they might want to join me, then they can. If not, they might find someone that will want to work with me in my startup, then that's a bonus. Or if not, well, I might be following up and doing something to help them, right? Karma, you, the more people you have, the more help come from somewhere in the future. So I'm a strong believer in always following up, helping other people and, and nurturing my network as I never know where new members of your team, my, my team will come from. So this is the same advice that I will share with all of you. And for those who are worried about CRM, don't be. You can find the simplest one, as I've said, Insightly is the one I started with. Very simple, nothing like Salesforce. And especially I was an engineer, a software engineer at the time when I started using that, and it really saved my life. And as a bonus tip, I actually use that to keep, um, to keep up with the birthdays of my friends and family members as well. So that's how I barely forget well, sometimes, but very rarely. So here you have it. For those who really want to grow their team, want to know how to find the first few team members, whether they are the founding team or not, maybe the first 10 members of your team, then we share with you a lot of tips. As I've said before, please do go back to episode 31, as this is where we start in the conversation and we really dig deep into that. And today I was just adding that flavor as a lot of people felt that this was something that was missing from last week's session and they had a lot of questions. If you are watching live on replay and you have questions, well, now you know my secrets. I do answer live. So please do put the questions out there and I will be happy to answer. If not, do share this episode with anyone in your network. Your network is your net worth. You never know how much they will appreciate this and even thank you for supporting them on their journey of creating their startup or starting their business. The second thing we're going to look at, again, the second question that came back from those who watched the first episode was how to onboard uh, co-founders of your founding team. That's a really good question. Right. So how do you onboard them 
how do you make sure, how do you even give them equity, especially if you haven't worked with them before, right? Um, how does it work? Again, this is a session that can, a question that I can answer pretty much throughout the entire show, but I promise to keep it brief. And if you still have questions on that, get back to me. I will give you the best, the cream of the cream, something that you can pick up and start working straight away. First, as I've done all the way through, make sure that you understand exactly what you're looking for. I will always take you back to that because that's the beginning. Your vision, is it clear enough and well articulated? The vision of the people that you need in your company, is it clear enough and well articulated? Really understand that. Now, another layer on top of that, really understand how you are going to work with the people. This can, may be as come as a shock to you, but especially if you started as a solo founder or maybe there was a team of two or three, four, bringing new people on the team is actually much harder than if you had a large company <laughs> because the smaller the company, the more the information is here in your head. Yes, you might say it might be online, but most, unless you're working with me or people who have this mindset of getting things ready once you start, the information may be skated around. There's a little bit on this application, in this file, in this OneNote. How are you going to sanitize it when the person arrives? Or how are you going to point them to the right direction? So this is very important to, um, to ensure that you have a really good onboarding process. People don't get lost or worse, people don't work from the wrong set of information. The second one is thinking a bit about the interview process. When you bring these people on board, whether they've been referred to or not, how are you going to interview them? Whether in the, the interview is just a chat, what kind of questions are you going to ask? Especially when it comes to a co-founder, you really need to dig deep and try to stay away from the nature of invading your privacy. Of course, I'm not asking you to ask them how many kids they have or anything that's that person nature. But think about from the business side, you are about to enter a marriage with someone. So you want to make sure that you have what you need for the prenup to understand that you are both into this relationship and you want to go the long haul. Building a business takes more than a year. So if you're going to bring a co-founder on, you want to have someone who has the hunger to be with you in that journey. Think a bit about their motivation. Discuss their motivation. Why you and not someone else? Discuss their hopes for the business. What happens if things don't go well? How are we going to handle it together? What happens if things go well? How, what happens if things go extremely well? You might be thinking, really? Do we need to talk about that? Well, I was advising a startup where the CEO was happy because things were going well. Yet the CEO wasn't happy the CEO wanted things to go extremely well. He was responsible not just for um, looking at the operation, but he also did a lot on business development. And what was happening, he felt that he had a lot of leads coming through, yet the capacity of the company wasn't enough or big enough to absorb and deliver. They needed to grow. Yet on the one side, the CEO was happy that things were going too well, and she didn't need a bigger company. He wanted to grow and expand, and that was an issue and a clash that they needed to resolve. So if you think about that from the beginning, you need to sit down and really talk about those things. Some people are happy to run 
a company, but a small company. But others see there's no limits. They want to go for the thrill. The challenge, the experience of the size of the company varies. And that is also very important to know and discuss from the beginning. There are many, there's a many websites out there. If you needed um, to find kind of a comprehensive list of questions to glare it, to start thinking about the different aspects in terms of asking questions, then please get in touch with me and I can send you some pre-screened questions that you can use with your co-founder. The next step is once you have someone who's suitable for your company, do I give them equity straight away or not? This is a very interesting one. In fact, what I would advise is to think about a trial period. One month to three months should be enough to understand your working styles and whether they can deliver. If it's someone that you've worked with previously, maybe previous job, you've had a lot of interaction with, you might not need the trial period because you already know them. You already have that trust, you have that relationship, you know how they work, how they think, and you have that mutual understanding. If it's someone that's been highly recommended by someone that you trust 100%, you might still want to figure out whether there's some kind of trial period, whether it's paid and unpaid, depend on your situation with them and how you agree. But the important thing is, once you give your equity to a co-founder, then it's gone. There are many teams that start together because someone has ideas, they were friends. Um, actually, this is something that someone mentioned to me. They started as friends and everything went well. They divided the equity equally without thinking about who was doing what. Now, they're at the point where there's one team member who's not pulling their weight. They, everybody else is working full-time. They are working part-time, but still not pulling their weight. They are thinking about hiring someone else part-time to do some of the work that's falling off the plate. Yet the equity has already been given to someone who's not working well. So those are things that should have been discussed earlier on to understand what should happen in this situation. And having a one month to three months trial period really helps you to kind of understand people's styles, their personality. Are you working well as a team? Or maybe this is not what you want to, to, to work with. So I will definitely recommend doing that. And then after the three months, once you're at the point where you sit down, understand the ways of working and what works well, you can then start talking about equity. When you talk about equity, when you're onboarding co-founders, it's really important to understand whether it makes sense to go 50-50 for everybody, in, especially if there's one or two people. Should the CEO have a few percentage more than other people? If someone is coming in with a huge list of contacts, should they have a few more percentage? If someone is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting at the beginning, should they have a few more? If you are getting another co-founder a bit later, should they have the same as other people? I would highly recommend that before you dish out equity, again, I've said that in episode 31 and I'm saying it again, please go back, find someone, that can advise you and write out the proper agreement because that is going to affect your company in many ways than you can imagine, not just for the co-founders, but for investors and for team members in the future. So the last point I'll say in terms of onboarding people, now we're gonna, as we continue the journey, think about the fact that you brought them in, um, they are in your team, you've went to the interview, you went to the trial period, they are with you. Think about my number one, culture. Always, always think about the culture. Even if there are four people or the fifth person, culture will still be impacted. 
How do you communicate? Do they follow that? As a joke, now with my team, one of the, the biggest things, especially in a remote team for me, is to make sure that we have the right tool. And, and the, way, the way we communicate is important. And we always have one source of truth. And that's something I do not budge on. My rule is very simple. If you send me an, an email, uh, a, information in an attachment, I won't read the attachment. I will ask you to put the attachment on conference, which is the tool that we use to talk about our um, specs and things like that. Of course, we've got Jira for the development, but I will ask you to put it there. If you send me a message and says, oh, by the way, here's an attachment on Slack, my response will be, could you please put it on the conference? And then I will have a look and I will reply. Whenever someone sends me a message private in a private channel, when this information is for the group, I respond in the group. This is my way of teaching them. Of and of course, this is some of the guidelines I put together in the startups, uh, one of the startups I'm working for. But um, it's something that helps us because whenever we have new team members, everybody knows where to go, the source of truth. And we don't have to have one person working in the morning because other people maybe are part-time, they work on something to then find out that that wasn't the latest. So it's really important to understand your culture in terms of communication and how we are nurturing team members. And to finish off this session, and especially when it comes to culture and the communication, I know startups, fast-paced, a lot of things to do, doesn't matter how many founders are in the company, you still have all a lot of things to do. But it's important to check after, uh, to check out your teams and look after their well-being. And some of the easiest way to do that, especially when working remotely, is to check in to say hi. A few times over the week, have a virtual coffee with them. Again, if you decided not to do it weekly because of whatever reason, every other week. The more people feel part of the team, the more they will want to stay, stay with you, join the vision, join the journey. So this, this was today's episode. And I hope for anyone who had sent me follow-up questions, that answered your questions. And for anyone else watching, that this was very valuable. Today, we looked at different aspects on how to build a successful team, finding co-founders, building the team, onboarding them. How do you set up this fairly early stage so that you can go and start flying on your journey to building the best product out there. It's great to dream, but when you're starting building your company and you want people to play within your company, then it's important to have things set up the right way. Again, as a reminder, if you are watching this and you're thinking there's something missing, first go back and watch episode 31 where we're starting this conversation on uh, the, the, the creating this great team. And if not, well, if there's more questions, you know where I am, you know I answer live, and I'll be happy, happy to answer you. In the meantime, let's design a happy and productive workplace playground together.